Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. It is my favorite place to be. As you know, to my regular listeners all week, I look forward to this, and I prepare and prepare and prepare because I want you to have the best experience and the most perspective shifts that you can possibly get to grow your life and grow your businesses, and I have an extra special guest on the show with me here today. I've had him on a few times. This is his first time being on the show this year. He is the guy that you want in your corner if you are trying to build and grow your business. If you want to market effectively in 2019, the rules, they are a-changing, yet the more they change, the more they stay the same. And if you want this guy in your corner, just stay tuned, grab a notebook. If you're driving a car, pull over, because I promise you, if you have a business, you are going to want to take notes on what Ken is going to be talking out today. So, Ken Heron, welcome back to the show. Thank you. You can always do my marketing, Laura. You're good at this stuff. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. You know, it's always a joy when I get to have you on the show, and I always have my pen and paper handy because I get so many tips and tricks from you on marketing. I mean, you are the fourth most followed chief marketing officer on Twitter in the world. I mean, that's no small feat. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and then, you know, I know you're also now the top-ranked um IoT, Internet of Things expert, and my listeners know that I talk a lot about Internet of Things and cybersecurity and linking all of that together. And I know you've been traveling all over the world, especially a lot to Singapore and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Our company, UIB, uh, we specialize in conversational IoT. We are headquartered in Singapore. So that's a, that's a lot of travel. <laughs> A lot of yes. airplane time. It's a long drive. Yeah, just a long, just a smidge of a long drive. Yeah, one of the things that fascinates me about marketing in the, you know, the the last few years is how everybody keeps trying to find a trend and follow it, but the trends seem to keep switching. And how do you know? Which trends are really the ones to pick? How do you know what really are the key pieces to be doing to market your business? The nice part is is that the basics really haven't changed. So I'll start with some basic questions that if you can answer these, you will be able to figure out the best marketing for your business. But to use an analogy... We know that fashions are constantly changing because the manufacturers want you to keep purchasing new clothes. And it's a good rule of thumb that just because something is a trend or people are talking about something, to ask yourself, does it really make sense for your business? Is it something you can pull off, like a wild pair of pants? Is it something that you can actually do, and does it make sense? At the end of the day, Nobody cares if you're using voice. Nobody cares if you're doing, you know, one-click growth hacking if it doesn't convert for you. If it doesn't work for you, whether you're the person yourself doing hands-on keys marketing or you have the ability to fund an agency to help you with it, 
if you're not seeing the results of it, it doesn't matter if it's the trend of the moment or everyone's writing about it and talking about it. It must produce results for your business, period. And that's something that I'm always amazed how difficult it is for people to truly determine if their efforts are working. Well, let's start off with the first question. And this may sound obvious, but so many people I meet with, and this has been the same question for the last, you know, been doing this a, a bit of time now. What are you trying to achieve? That you really need to sit back and answer that because based on how you answer that question, your strategies, your tactics could be very different. Some people may care about audience size, for example, that their key metric, their key performance indicator, what drives their business is I want to have a huge audience. That's very different than if your focus is on upselling your repeat customers, the people who you already have and are loyal to you and you're just trying to deliver more value to them and exchange, you know, raise the the average amount of money you're getting per customer. You will do very different things based on what it is you're trying to achieve marketing-wise for your business. Okay, so if you're trying to bring in new customers, you may market differently than if you're hitting your existing client base. Is that what you're saying? Uh, It's a very simple thing. If I'm trying to market to people who don't know me yet, who don't know I exist, my business exists, you're going to be focused on awareness. You're going to be sitting down and thinking, okay, who is most likely to be interested in whatever it is I have to sell, whether it's a product or a service, and you're going to find a way to target those people you don't currently have a relationship with. Okay, got it. So that was the first question. The next question is, who is your audience? And again, these may sound like silly or obvious questions, but when you sit down with people who say, I'm struggling with my marketing, and you sit them down over a quiet cup of coffee and say, who is your customer? Who buys from you? What differentiates them from other people? You often get a very quiet response, that this is not always something that people can articulate to a great degree of detail. And if you don't know who your customers are, it's easy enough to ask to whether you have you know individual customers, whether you're a consultant and it's a very deep customer base or your customers are anonymous on a website, it's important to find out who those people are because surprise, surprise, one of the biggest changes is that your customers will evolve over time. The people who see value in what it is you're selling can shift. So it's important to pick up on those trends and to understand how that is changing or not changing over time. Okay. It's something that I know a lot of my listeners struggle with, Ken, is Mm -hmm. figuring out how to define or figure out their avatar, their their client, who they really are. What do they look like? Where do they shop? Mm -hmm. Who do they hang out with? Why do you think that is such a struggle for so many people when it's such a core piece of marketing effectively is knowing who your audience is? I think we've gotten away a little bit from the getting our hands dirty and actually talking to people that because many of us are doing so much of this interaction and communications online, 
we've somehow gotten a little bit shy or a little bit hesitant to actually talk to people live, you know, whether it's in person or, you know, it's on an actual, you know, phone line, but to reach out to them and to ask, who are you guys? You know, tell me about yourselves. And that can be done through surveys, that can be done through a, a number of different things, but the best way is to actually pick up the phone, as it were, you know, I realize most of us don't have normal phones anymore, but to talk actual live to your customers to get those insights. Now, if you have any type of physical event where customers are, or if you have any type of physical retail presence, that makes it much easier, but it's not impossible even if all of your interactions are over email or over messaging. Or social media? It starts or social media. In many cases, uh, they have profiles, so to find out who those people are, and people want to talk about themselves. It, normally, you have to tell people to, to be quiet rather than to open up, but it's just to express that interest and to figure out, okay, who's buying from me? And it can start with your biggest customers. Who is buying the most from you? Who is buying your most profitable products or services? That's really critical to understand whether you have a formal loyalty or membership club, but those heavy purchasers, heavy users, to really understand who they are. Because if you know who they are, you can identify other heavy users and other people who are likely to see more value than the norm out of whatever it is you're selling. Okay. Let's run through another question that people should be asking. Another one is where this target audience, where do they spend their time? That's a big one because that has, arguably that has changed the most. We used to say, oh, everybody's on Facebook. Okay, people may still have a Facebook account, but are they actively paying attention to Facebook? So it's understanding, and it's not just a question of which social network are people on, but it's where are people putting their attention? And again, if you don't know, it's okay to ask. You know, the, one of my favorite questions and the number of businesses who do not have this built into their process by default, how did you come across me? How did you learn about me? That's a really important question to understand and then to ask the follow-up question. I was on a call with an analyst yesterday and he asked me, as he should have, hey, Ken, how did you hear about our firm? How did you come to know about us? And he really took the time up front because that was important. That for every new person they can find, that is a very lucrative amount of money. So it's important to understand how people are finding you. Is it a referral? Is it just a, a Google search? The answer to that question can really help to inform your business and quite honestly help you to make much better, much smarter marketing decisions. I remember when I had my tech company and we'd get this phone call, somebody saying that they were, wanted to talk to us about helping with their technology. Typically the first question is, great, um, how did you find us? And yeah, yeah, and that's an appropriate question to ask. This is not the time to be shy. Um, how did you hear of us? How did you find, you know, there's no wrong way to ask the question and to not be afraid to do the follow-up question, the second or even the third question, so you really understand 
what drove them to pick up the phone because that's the black box of customers. If you can understand that typically hidden thinking, and again, we accept that sometimes what people will tell you is not always the real reason, but the more you ask it, the smarter you get and the more you learn about that. I remember one time I asked and they came into us through what some people would call a competitor, but I would call them Mm -hmm. our peer. And that's how they had found out about us. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, so I called over to them and Mm -hmm. they, it really wasn't their right fit. We did some very specialized stuff with healthcare and everything and they didn't. So Mm -hmm. they knew about us because I was always out there in the community. So they sent them over. So I sent them a thank you note. Yes, it's kind of the anti-name approach. If you remember, you know, way, way back, the original play, the original movie, that if someone comes to your business and you're not a fit, it can be very lucrative to you to recommend a competitor or recommend a peer in the industry who is the right fit. Yeah, it never hurts to send a customer to the right place other than having, rather than having a bad experience for them and you in the process. Okay, so you said you had six questions, so we're up to number four now. Right. So, and this comes to the category of self-awareness. What differentiates you? And that's both you as the individual, you as the company, you as the brand. And why does your target audience care about that differentiation? You know, there's the old joke, you can be cheaper, you can be better, you can be different. Well, to really understand that, because most of us don't want to be cheapest. That may work for Walmart, but that rarely works for other businesses. So how, in your customer's eyes, how do you define better and or different? And again, it's one thing that you are cost competitive. I'm not saying you have to be the the high cost, but wouldn't it be nice that you could command a premium compared to your competitors? One of my clients in my 100-day mentoring program, where we deep Mm -hmm. dive into somebody's business to bring them to the next level for 100 days, He's a photographer, and one of his differentiators is he does a lot of shows, you know, the different arts and festivals that we have around here Mm -hmm. with his amazing photography, is he will say something that's there isn't quite right, or you can't picture it in your home, but you don't want to buy it and then can't figure it out. You can send him a photograph of your room, of the wall that you're thinking of putting it on. Oh, very clever. And he will Photoshop in different photos for you smart and that's a very clever marketing tactic because people will talk about that it generates a lot of positive word of mouth and you've just eliminated one of the barriers to people making that investment in his photography and right now we're trying to figure out how the best way is to market that for him because it is such a huge differentiator mm-hmm mm-hmm Again, not to jump into his specific situation, but to find a way go ahead, to go ahead, dive in. <laughs> and to automate it, because that is very clever, that's unique, that's not something everyone else will immediately be able to, to copy or do what he does. So the big thing when we talk about what is your difference, what is your differential advantage is that you want something that's sustainable, that cannot be readily or quickly copied by your peers in the industry. And something like that is very unique, very effective, and can be especially branded. So he could find a way through his website, through a mobile app if he has one, 
to enable people to upload their room, the photo of their room, and to be able to play around with seeing how his artwork will look in their environment. Uh, it's the type of thing that would lend itself well to a couple of different tiers of service. That could be a do-it-yourself, play-with-it type of thing that many people would enjoy, and he can track the sales from that. There would be a bespoke service where someone would recommend, well, likely someone on his team or an assistant would recommend, you know, the top three choices. And then it could be, you know, the VIP or elite level where he personally will recommend art. And all of this can be a for-pay service. An interesting thing that some people forget is that when you're helping people to make the right purchasing decision, that can be an actual paid service as well. Yeah, and that seems to be a big struggle for people, even around marketing, Ken. It's, well, I don't want to turn them away, and if I charge them for a specialty service or something that just sort of comes easy to me, I, how can I charge them for that? Uh, very easily. Uh, just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it doesn't have value for them. And the market decides. I've never quite understood the hesitation to charge people. I've never quite understood the hesitation to charge more. Uh, when I speak to people about their pricing, uh, it's almost as if they feel they have to apologize for the price or they have to apologize for a price increase. Well, you're worth it. You know, a thousand years ago, you know, I was the econ major in school. And, okay, so you may have a handful less customers, but if you've just doubled your profit, you are better off. And if you were a smaller business, I have yet to meet a smaller business that wants more customers at less profit. They really would like to be able to focus and give a better experience, a better service for more, for people at a, at a higher profit rate. And then it's a matter of, is it then a matter of focusing your marketing, knowing what your value is, what differentiates you? Focusing the your marketing awareness of knowing it and who's willing to pay for it. Okay. So let's say you have a cleaning service and it may sound silly, but you dress up in, you know, an actual, you know, cleaners uniform. Okay. Not everyone is going to be willing to, to pay for that, but there's some people who, you know, spend the day at home and the idea that you come in full uniform and maybe even in character as a British butler, they like that. You provided, you know, something that they look forward to. So they enjoy that and maybe that merits an extra $10 a service for that. Okay, it's a, you can argue it's a gimmick, but for something that people believe is a commodity service in many respects, anything you can do to differentiate that your customers care about is a big deal. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so what's the number five question? The fifth question. All right. The next question we have is being honest with yourself. <laughs> and many people struggle with this. How much time do you have to invest in market? And everybody goes zero, right? <laughs> and it's okay, but to say, what is the amount of time you're willing to invest? Because if it's, I don't have any time to invest in this, then okay, we know what your results are going to be. So even if it's 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, 60 minutes a day, and if someone comes, I've never had anyone 
by the way, who is, at least to my face, said, I have no time for this. But if they do, I have to say, well, then you're happy with the results of your business. Everything is going great. You don't want or need any additional growth, or you don't want higher profit, higher value clients or customers. Uh, but it's being realistic with your schedule and knowing your own dynamic, how you're wired as an individual, how much you're willing to spend on this, because the answer will depend. If you've got two hours a day, great. Here's a plan that makes sense for you. If it's a struggle for you to get 15 minutes a day, but you're willing to commit to that, okay, there are things you can do that will make a real difference, but it's not going to be the same list of things than if you have two hours a day or six hours a day. And it's the same with budget. I focus on time uh, because often, you know, we start with smaller businesses. But if you're, you know, a larger company and you've got a multi-million dollar marketing budget, it's never infinite. There are always, always going to be constraints. And if you have $10 million, you can do a few more things than if you have $2 million. So it's really the same logic of being very honest with yourself as to what you're willing to spend, both in terms of time and in terms of money. Because why do something that you can't afford? That makes no sense whatsoever. Can marketing be just as effective with a lower amount of money than with these mega budgets that some companies have? It can be. It can be. I am a big fan of doing smart things. But by definition, smart things needs to, and this goes to the sixth question, what really works? that the number of people who will do advertising, that's kind of the, the guilty category, who will do advertising and not pay attention to the results, not be obsessive as to what works and what doesn't, you're just throwing money away. Yet, I, I see time and time again with these questions from my listeners and stuff, they don't even know how to determine what really works. It starts with what's bringing customers into the door. What is causing, however you define conversion, what is triggering that? And if you don't understand that, there's a lot of people who can help you. But until you know, and again, if it's a physical business, it's easy. Someone comes in, someone buys something. That's a conversion. There's a purchase. You're receiving money. Uh, but to know what has triggered that, what has resulted in that, that, and it's often a complex combination of things. But if it's any type of online business, they read something, they heard something, they believe something, and that helped them to make that purchase decision. One of the things you always taught me was that you can get a ton of clicks online or page views, mm -hmm. but if it doesn't convert to some sort of sale or referral, then it's not necessarily effective. If they don't subscribe, if they don't move yeah. forward with it, then, oh, you know, you've just got a moment in time instead of having converted them to a raving fan. A lot of these, uh, I really bristle at the term growth hacking because a lot of them tend to be focused on vanity metrics. They make a lot of noise, stir up a lot of dust, but they don't necessarily result in conversions. They don't close more sales more quickly. So it's to really be, it's being your number one champion for yourself and 
being willing to be skeptical that if it doesn't work, that's okay. Okay, and hold your thought right there, because we're about to go to national news. We'll be right back with more from top CMO, Ken Heron. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Welcome back, everyone. We had an amazing first half of the show, at least as far as I'm concerned. Hopefully you all feel the same way. If you're just joining us, we are here with Ken Heron, the number four most followed chief marketing officer on Twitter worldwide. Do you guys even realize how huge that is? I mean, Twitter is massive. And Ken Heron is a top Internet of Things expert. He's a chief marketing officer of um, an AI artificial intelligence company, UIB. He's based here in Orlando, Florida. One of these days I'm going to get him to come over here and sit with me in the studio when we do the show, when he's not on an airplane somewhere traveling back and forth to Singapore or other exotic locations. So, So, Ken, the first half of the show... You gave us six marketing questions to ask to market in 2019. And and they're really, I think they're core to anybody that's in business. And if if my listeners, you're just joining me right now live on the air on iHeartRadio, this will be going to podcast. You can get it on um, itsallaboutthequestions.com or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. It should be up within a couple of days. Okay, so Ken, you, you gave us these great marketing questions, but then... You've answered these questions, you know, what are you trying to achieve? Who is your audience? Where do they spend their time and so on? But then what do you do once you've figured all that out? Where are the places that in 2019 people need to be spending their focus? Uh, Let me start by answering the question with, I have a bias. I'm very prejudiced towards this, so get that out (laughs) up front. I am to the point of being a militant activist that you need to invest first in the channels that you control 100%. Okay. What does that mean? That means your website. That means your blog. That means your email newsletter list. Because you control those channels. Nobody can cancel them. There's no algorithm to them. It is your content under your full control that you own. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yet, I know a lot of people don't use those in any way to their fullest. I would suggest before you even think about, quote, the world of paid advertising, before you even think about a profile on, pick your site, Facebook, Snapchat, you know, what have you, have those core three. Invest in your own website. Invest in your blog. And the money now, even put a website up for free, it's investing in the content to tell your story because you just answered all of these marketing questions. So now show people what makes you better, what makes you different. Communicate them to them on an ongoing way on your blog because that helps to drive visitors, that helps with Google search results, and have the email newsletter. It's so funny that we are so focused on these modern things, you know, through my smart speaker, my virtual assistant, and the rest, email newsletters still work. They're still very, very powerful. 
and they can be free to send. You know, there's so many different tools out there that have made this very, very easy, even if you're not a tech geek type of person, to do these on your own. You mean like the MailChimps, Constant Contact, all of those? There's so many of them, and all of them have free versions that you can use. Okay. All right. What's a, I know you're a big Twitter fan, and mm-hmm. so many people want to use social media to get their message across, yet it seems that it's harder and harder to be seen on those platforms. It is and it isn't. So if you're kind of making the list, phase one, get your own house in order, the things that you control. Phase two, make the list of all the different places you could be on. You know, the Twitter, the Facebook, work your way through the list and create a profile on all of them. That doesn't mean you have to be active on all of them, but you want to plant your flag and be able to be found on all of them. So look at this list and ask yourself, which is the one that I'm going to spend the time on, that I have the capability to actively create content, to actively engage in conversations with people. And for most of us, unless you have a team or an agency, it's probably going to be one channel, and that's okay. And it could be the one that you know the best, that you're most comfortable on, or that works best for conversion or that's where your target audience is spending the most time and on all the other channels say hey i'm most active on x maybe it's twitter it's something else i'm most active on x please join the conversation there but you've got the photo you've got your descriptive text you've got the website link you've got all the wonderful information there and you've clearly communicated to people that this is not an actively managed account, but you've seized your presence. So if someone is a Pinterest person and that's how they connect with brands, they've been able to find you there on Pinterest. Okay. But when you're doing the social media, how do you convert people on whatever platform, the different places that you are? How do you create that conversation, the call to action that actually converts somebody? I am a fan of putting the call to action in the profile itself, in the image, in the text, and then focus on delivering value in the actual posts. That it gets very tedious to say, buy my stuff, buy my stuff at the end of every post. And by doing that, you are inhibiting people from sharing the value you deliver. So have the calls calls to action very clearly stated in the profile, in the description, in the visuals that you use, and then focus on delivering value in the posts. And and I know your profiles are very much (laughs) looking at at how you're doing things. It's pretty amazing if anybody wants to follow. On Twitter, it's at Ken Heron, K-E-N-H-E-R-R-O-N, just looking at, at how you've set up some of your profiles. Think of it as the more you put the spotlight on adding value to your target audience, the more willing they are to listen to how you can add value by giving you money and purchasing your products or services. A lot of people in the service industry tell, ah, you're giving it all away, you shouldn't give it away for free. Well, the more you give away, you know, there's a reason why Costco gives out the free samples. It works. It sells a lot of cheese. So, Whatever the cheese is you happen to be selling, 
find ways to give away those samples to encourage people to do it. Now, I've seen a lot of people do it in the form of a free 30-minute consultation, realizing that to really get anything out of it, they need to sign up for much more than that. But in essence, you're inviting people to come in for a 30-minute sales discussion. That yes, they will get some value out of that, but the biggest value is that they will get even more value if they purchase what it is you're selling. As long as during that free 30-minute consultation or coaching or whatever, at some point you mention other things that you do, or do you recommend not doing that during that call? Focus on the value. You know, there's a time to close and a time to ask for the sale, but if you focus on delivering value, they are automatically going to be wired to say, what else can this person do for me? How else can they help me to achieve what it is I'm trying to to get done here, whether it's personal or for business? So spend that time delivering value, being the thought leader, creating content for them, and, and just building that to them. Absolutely. So let's say, let's use an example. Let's say you are in a coaching business and you are helping someone to improve their effectiveness. If you make it all about them, they're going to want more of that because they realize you're not just meeting with them to sell. So in, in an odd flip of fate, the, the more you focus on them, then when you ask for the sale, the more open and the more willing they will be to purchase because you've already demonstrated value. Okay, that makes so much sense. Uh, here's, a, here's a question because we've been talking about you know, social media, figuring out your place to, to converse. I get so frustrated, Ken, and I've been wanting to ask you this for a while. Mm. I get so frustrated when I see all these celebrities pitching, hawking all mm. these markets. And there's been a number of people that I've wanted to have on my show. And, you know, they're like, well, can you prove to us that you have over 100,000 followers or over 200,000 followers or or whatever, and they, they don't even want to talk to me mm-hmm. b- unless I can prove that number. And, you know, because I'm on broadcast radio and we don't get the, the ratings and statistics, mm-hmm. I can't necessarily mm-hmm. prove a large portion of the radio part. I can prove social media or website visitors or things like that. And I've just gotten to a point where if somebody puts that limitation, I mean, to say, well, I'm not interested. You either see value in being on my platform or you don't. So how do you sort of measure that? And and what do you say? You know, these celebrities like the Kardashians or whoever they may be that are hawking something or these people that feel, well, there's no value unless you can show me 100,000 or 200,000 followers. They're looking for something different than what you can provide. It's not just about... Yes, size matters, but it's the right size matters. So it's finding people who care about the audience that you have, regardless of size. You've probably heard the term influencer. You've probably heard the term micro and maybe even nano influencer, that if you have a very small audience, but an engaged audience, an audience that pays attention, an audience that is interested in what they're interested in, that is of extreme value. And I'm seeing an increasing number of people go after these very small influencers that have very specific and very targeted audiences. So it's finding 
like you had said, finding what's the right person, the right platforms, even if they seem smaller than you think. Yeah. How yeah. do they have your audience in there? That matters. And it's okay to do a pay for performance. So let's say you are selling your professional services. Instead of throwing money at Facebook, consider, well, what about sponsoring an influencer and have it be performance-based? You know, find someone who has the people who are most interested in purchasing what you're doing and make a deal with them. That, you know, you will pay a commission you know, revenue-based so that you're not out anything out of pocket unless they sell. All right, give, give an example of what you mean, like something like that. Uh, give it, and I'll give an example. There's a company that makes cell phone cases. And they approached me saying, oh, we want you to talk about our cell phone cases. Now, that wasn't a, a match for how I self-identify my brand, but I said, okay, tell me more. And their model was so simple. It was, okay, for every case that comes through one of your channels will give you $5. So the more you sell, the more you make. And if you don't sell anything, there's no cost. But they had looked at my online demographics as all of this is, you know, publicly available. And they figured out that the people in my audience were people who buy cell phone cases. No surprise, most of them have cell phones. And I thought, well, that's really a very simple way to handle it, that they did it based on demographics and they were out of no money up front, and based on my own performance would determine how much of a commission I got from them. Commission, revenue share, however you want to describe it. So, so the question is, how can you run your business with influencers? And if someone is not willing to, to sign up for it, fine, no harm, no foul. But find the people who have audiences of the people who are most likely to purchase what you're selling and work a deal with them. So a photographer, just using my, my existing client, mm -hmm. might try to create some uh, relationships with perhaps interior decorators or uh, new Look building owners. Look at small or, local interior decorators who people trust and who people listen to. Okay. That have a lot of engagement that people, you know, love what they're doing and we're talking it can be as small as a thousand people these don't have to be huge numbers but if you're a photographer looking to move the merch looking to sell photos then interior design firms interior design influencers anyone who people look to as someone for those type of recommendations that's also a very scalable thing that if each influencer just does a post a week and there's one sale from that well, you could easily have 100 influencers with this kind of model because there's no restriction. Okay, what about somebody who has a more soft goods kind of pro uh, services? What are some areas There's no that risk. There's no downside to trying different types of related products to see what works best. Okay. There could be someone whose focus is helping people to move. There could be a focus on, you know, helping people after a divorce or after a life change. All of those, again, he likely knows when people tend, are more likely to purchase what it is he's selling, go after, you know, the people who are already in that. Now, this doesn't mean he shouldn't try to grow his audience and his followers and, 
and be the guy for what it is he sells. But it's very easy now to reach out to others who already have audiences who may be quite different from his, but are also interested in what he happens to have to sell. Okay. How do you know when to stop using a marketing method or when to add another one? The stop is a very easy question. It's not working. How do you know if it's I don't even need the three strikes and you're out. It's not producing. It's not bringing in revenue. But how much time do you give it? Very little. Okay. I'd say 30 days, and that's being generous. But if something isn't working, stop throwing your, your energy at it. And the flip side of that, when should you try something new? Constantly. Constantly. Uh, it's not crazy to say, what is the one new thing each week you're going to try to grow your business? All right. Now, you know, everybody talks about video, Facebook Live. You need to try all these new things. It, you're saying if in 30 days, say you've been posting videos up um, on your and website, on social media. Facebook Live is a great example because what you're really doing is you're creating video content. Okay. That is the investment. That you happen to be putting it on Facebook versus Twitter versus YouTube versus something else versus LinkedIn, because you can now put native video on LinkedIn. That's just a channel question. Okay. Does that make sense? It, that it, there, it, there's kind of two pieces there. One is the content, your content marketing, your, your production of this new visual-oriented content. And the second is, hey, where do I post it? Where do I publish it? So if in, say, you're creating this content, video or written or otherwise, Mm -hmm. the 30-day rule that you're talking about may be platform-specific or Mm location-specific as to where you're putting it? Yeah. Unfortunately, the creation of content, we can always get better at it. And it's helpful to have someone who can honestly tell you your videos are horrible or your (laughs) videos are good. Uh, We all benefit from that. But whether or not you should write whether or not you should use images, whether or not you should create videos, that decision's kind of been made for us. What do you mean the decision's been made for us? Meaning it's not really a marketing decision. Oh, should I use video to promote myself? The answer was yes. That was a few years ago. You know, you might've been busier in a meeting when, you know, that was decided, but the answer is yes. So we all need to be doing video. We are all using video in our marketing now, yes. Okay. If you're not, you are trying to carry groceries with one hand tied back. You can do it, but it's going to be a little harder and a little more effort. You know, and it's it's a struggle I have, right? I'm I'm here on broadcast radio. There's not a lot of video since most of the time my guests are not in-house, although I could stream Facebook Live, but I won't have my guest on video. They would have their sound. I find personally for me that I'd rather read a transcript than half the time watch the videos. Think of it this way. You can set up a video camera of you and there will be a 15 second clip on your show that you love, that you're happy with. So don't think of it. It has to be a live stream, but find a way to economically capture video content and then you know when you thought you were doing something really, really cool, take that snippet and use that to 
to promote the show and to get more people to, to learn about who you are and what you do. And if you have a brick-and-mortar store, what are you creating video of? Your store? Your products? What? It can be anything. The, the cheat that I go to for the brick-and-mortar is that you get a lot of questions. As the person running the business, managing the business, you are constantly getting questions. Answer those questions on video and publish those answers. Because if one person has that question, chances are many people will have that question. And that's an old, old marketing trick, but it really does work. That goes back to something that we spoke about in the first half hour of the show, which is there's all this value there. Somebody's asking a question. You have this knowledge that maybe nobody else has that perspective. But either way, you're the guy that's out there, the woman out there talking about it and sharing it. It showcases you as the leader in your space. Absolutely. It allows you to show your personality, your store. Uh, And quite honestly, even for that one person, you know, this depends on how assertive you want to be. But if someone asks you, hey, you know, what about this? That's a really great question. Let me answer that real quick. Flip out the, even have the person hold the camera and boom, you're there, you're done. It doesn't have to always be high-quality production values. Focus on the the content. That would be a brilliant live stream. I I love that. That's great. You have the person who asks, hey, would you mind, you know, I get this question a lot. I just want to record myself because I want to put it up on the website. You know, for the Facebook Live, you know, take it and it's a, you know, 90-second live stream that can then be captured and you won't like all of them. You know, some will be, you know, different quality. But how special will that person feel that that was such a great question you wanted to record the answer because other people would have it? I love that. It's about making your your clients feel special. Yes. yes. And if you don't have a tripod in your store, it's having a client hold the phone. <laughs> I love that. That's so brilliant. Ken, we're almost out of time. I want to make sure my listeners all know how to reach out to you. They can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Ken Heron, K-E-N-H-E-R-R-O-N. And I would encourage them to come and learn more about EYB. Our website is www.uib.ai, which stands for Artificial Intelligence. And they can learn all about conversational IoT and what we're doing. I, I love that. You you probably want to read a new book by James Rollins. I had him on my show. He's a big New York Times bestselling author. His latest book, Crucible, talks about AI, and I think you'd get a total kick out of the book. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. Last thought that you want to share with my listeners. Try new things. Not everything will work, but to not be afraid to try new things and be as equally fearless in stopping things that aren't working for your business. That is, that just totally floored me right there, what you just said. Don't be afraid to stop what isn't working because I think so many of us, we get afraid because we're like, well, we've invested all this time in it. So I just need to give it a little bit longer. Sunk costs are sunk. If it's not working, move on. Okay. Your, your time and energies are better spent on finding the next big thing, even if you don't know what it is yet. Okay. And I encourage all my listeners out there to to follow Ken on Twitter at Ken Heron. 
because he and go back through some of his old posts he has some of the most brilliant marketing concepts and ideas just watch what he's doing out there Ken I mean you are one of the people that whenever I'm about to start something I go what we can do I don't think people are wearing the necklaces saying what would Ken do, but thank you. I appreciate that. Well, and and when I don't follow your stuff and then I go, oh, why didn't I follow what he had suggested? I always go, oh, man, and then I try to do it. And it's, you know, I love how you told us to break it down and try something and, and be creative. So thank you for being with me on the show again today. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. Yeah, totally fun. Everybody, remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. Figure out some new marketing and tweet it out. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 